Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again on the Reality 2.0 podcast. I am Catherine Druckmann. I am joined by Doc Searles and Petros Katupis, who you'll know from, from our previous episodes. Today, we're going to talk about something uh, near and dear to our hearts, and that is podcasting. Um, we're going to talk about podcasting and a little bit of radio. Doc's a, a big, a big, a bit of an amateur radio historian, would you say? Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, I'm not sure but, for sure. I'm not getting paid for it. So that yeah, would well, <laughs> there you go. You know. So someday maybe we'll go pro. Um, but yeah, before we get market. started. Anybody wants to pay me for that, uh, I'm game. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, me too. I mean, I don't have yeah, much exactly. to add, but if you want to pay me to do it, all, all, all ears. Uh, <laughs> so before we get started, I thought I would uh, give another plug for our soon-to-be-launched newsletter. You can visit us at reality2cast.com and click the newsletter link to sign up. And as soon as we're ready to start sending them out, you will get one. And we already have subscribers. We already have subscribers. So thank you to all the people who have signed up. We appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks that one guy, Petro. Our inaugural subscriber. Thanks to all the people who have subscribed who we don't actually know. That's even cooler. (laughs) So yeah, so please visit us and sign up and... um, Anyway, let's take it away. So, Doc, you, you just had some thoughts about. Yeah, actually, podcasting. I thought of, you know, it, it, we, we often uh, before the uh, before we record on on Fridays, you know, we sometimes just share thoughts about this or that, and and actually, I part of the idea behind this, so the idea I had was radio versus podcasting, which is a little bit at this point of Bambi versus Godzilla, uh, or or more like dinosaurs versus uh, asteroid, um, because it's not a contest, even though radio as an incumbent medium is still thriving and it's still there and it's probably going to be there for decades more. But, um, but the action is all on the podcasting side and it's early. And so, you know, one of the thoughts I had too was what kind of podcast could we do where if you listen to it six months or a year from now is still valuable. I mean, a, a problem I have with a lot of podcasts, especially the sports ones, and I am a big fan of sports podcasts, I'm a sports fan, uh, is that they they get old, you know, they get stale very, very quickly. And th- th- there's some that don't, but, but a lot do. And, and I think this is just an amazing topic to, to watch right now, because uh, I think, you know, what, I mean, t- two of the things that are, I think are just hugely indicative is that the um, Spotify is, which is already together with, you know, some other streaming services, just completely devastating uh, music radio. Um, on the talk side of radio, podcasting is is ruining the talk side of radio uh, to, to, to the point where, and, and so is YouTube for that matter, which is kind of like podcasting with pictures, that there are a number of, of, um, of, of, of regular, uh, YouTube uh, podcasts or video casts that I've never seen. One is Ben Shapiro. He's a conservative commentator who, who get 50 or some more a million or more viewers or viewers and listeners, which is just massive. I mean, it's, those are great numbers for like, you know, Super Bowl grade uh, television. And, and so, and television is in a similar pickle, actually broadcasting in general is in the same pickle. And, and, and the bug, you know, what used to be a feature is now a bug. This is something that came to me in the form of something my 
youngest son asked when he was 15, he's going to turn 24, I think tomorrow, or to maybe is it today? I don't know. It's the 10th. Is it 10th? Is it 10th? Yeah, no, it's tomorrow. Uh, he'll turn 24. But when he was like 15 or so, he asked me after we went to Radio Shack to buy a radio in New York, when we were just getting an apartment in New York, he, he said, and there were no radios at Radio Shack. And now there's not even any Radio Shack. And, but he said, what, what is the point of range and coverage with radio? Because to him, what was normal was the internet and any radio station that was worth anything, you could also get on the internet and you could get anywhere in the world. So why, what's, what's the point of something that fades when you leave town? or leave the region. And when I was growing up, and for the most of the history of radio, the, the bigger, the better. And the bigger was, you know, you covered a few more counties. Or on older AM radio, you covered whole parts of the country at night because your signal bounced off the sky. Um, you know, where Petros is from, you know, and, and there is right now in Chicago, WLS, WGN, uh, WBBM, and WMAQ were the four 50,000 watt clear channel stations with the biggest transmitters and most efficient antennas in the country. And they covered the whole middle of the country. My mother growing up in North Dakota listened to WNAX in South Dakota by day. And then they listened to WLS world's largest store or WGN world's greatest newspaper at night. <laughs> and, and, and that's what life was in the prairie, in the prairie States. And that was civilization. Well, that's over. Those stations, you can still pick them up in those places, but it doesn't matter. What matters is it's all on the internet. So anyway, I, but we could go down any number of rat holes there. But the biggest thing I think is that might be worth talking about is Spotify just paid 300 and some million dollars to, uh, no, $200 million to, for The Ringer, which is a bunch of sports podcasts, plus a few other things, sports and entertainment. They paid a hundred million for Joe Rogan, um, Sirius XM, which is satellite radio, um, but is also getting into podcasting, bought this Stitcher, which started out as a radio tuner for the internet, as which now does podcasts for 300 and some million dollars. You know, that, that's some big money. That's a big bet on the future. Um, and that 300 and some million dollars, you could buy the entire AM band in New York or Chicago for that. You could probably buy the whole FM band for that at this point. That's, that's significant. Well, and, and, and yeah, I agree. I think what's driving this is not just accessibility and the internet bringing those podcasts and making them more accessible, but I think it's also the nature of on demand, right? You don't have to, you know, tune into a program at a specific time to be able to catch whatever content you want to uh, listen to. All you have to do is just stream it at your leisure anytime whenever wherever and it's just the the convenience aspect i think is what's driving more of the demand yeah it's it's also i mean you i, I find it find myself to money to do this on the radio like the today i had a dead car i had to go drive around didn't have the phone with me or if i did i didn't want to plug it in because it turned out the charger was the problem with the car that killed the battery but anyway i I'm driving around and I want to hit the 30 seconds forward button on the radio, right? You can't do that. Uh, I wanted to hit it. I wanted to crank it up to one and a half speed, right? You know, Cause something's going slow. You can't do that. You're doing it on their time, not your time. So the independence, which I think matters a lot to people, but probably especially to people in our constituency, you know, people coming out of the free software and open source world where we're, 
we're full of a lot of very independent characters. And I think those are also the people <laughs> to a large degree that are behind podcasting. There's a sensibility there that's much closer to what we want in life than sitting still listening to a station, which is kind of stationary, right? It's kind of just sitting still there. There's there's sort of a beauty in the simplicity of podcasting too. And I, and I think it lends itself to that sort of personalization. Um, you know, it, there's something about like a podcast app to me is, it's just so usable, you know? It, you 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 tell it what you like and it, it just automatically appears there and you know <laughs> there's something extra usable about about it you know as compared to let's say video streaming apps and whatnot that I always mm. always struggle a little with you know I find their inter- not none of them has has perfected the interface I don't think whereas most podcast apps are pretty great and I feel like it you know it's just it's inherent in the format you know it goes all the way back. Well, you could tell us about the origins of, you know, RSS feeds and the first podcasts, but um, I think I think it's it's still true to to that simplicity, and therefore it makes it such a pleasant experience. I think. Yeah. It, it, another thing too, I was I, this just occurred to me, but um, you know, the the way apps are built now they update themselves, right? They're constantly improving. They may not all improve according to the the person with the phone or whatever, but I mean, but they try to, right? You, they're, they're, they're debugging them all the time. They're adding features. They're, they're moving them forward. And so you kind of depend on that. And you can't do that with a radio, right? It's just like the thing is stuck in the car. In fact, probably, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably north of 90% of all radio listening is actually in cars. And I, I should add, we don't even own a car anymore. You know, I actually know we do in New York. We have one in New York, but it's sitting there. It hasn't moved in months, you know, because we're not there and it's just garaged. Um, and in fact, the car we're borrowing and lost all its, its battery died because it actually sat still while the charger in the dashboard was leaking, uh, uh, leaking electrons. You know, where's that? And then you jack in the phone every night or whatever, and it, it updates itself on a more or less constant basis. That's a different, it's made for a different world, but it's a, it, it's a world where we all have a lot more agency than we did when big companies decided what we needed. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, guess, I, I suppose it's that. So, so I've read a few, a few things just about, you know, we all know about the streaming wars and, and Doc, you, you've, you've mentioned something you, you call a peak subscription, which I always, always yeah, use I think every there, time. Yeah. Every time I am tempted to subscribe to, to something new, their content or, you know, something else, I, that, you know, <laughs> I hear your voice in my head. Well, peak subscription now. <laughs> I'm like, surely this is peak subscription. <laughs> we'll see. But, um, I, you know, I've been reading about how you know, podcasting is gaining a lot of market share and becoming, you know, more and more relevant in that streaming space. And, um, you know, and I just wonder how much, how much of that is agency, how much of that is, uh, you know, the agency it affords the listener, but how much is also just, just the nature of the distribution model, right? Um, I mean, you know, we're, this, this podcast is available on platforms like Spotify. Spotify doesn't have to pay us for the content. I mean, you know, not that our audience is so big <laughs> that, you know, that we're going to, you know, command Joe Rogan money or anything, but, but by, you know, for the most part, most podcasts are not, 
paid for by these streaming platforms. You don't have Netflix, you know, you know signing some big content deal for the, I mean, that's starting to change, but tradition historically has not been the case. Um, for the most part, podcasts are, podcasts are supported by their own individual advertisers and sponsors, and it's up to the podcast producer to work that out. So, you know, I think I can see why that would be such an appealing medium for these media giants to suddenly want to get a piece of. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just really super early. And I'm, I was thinking yeah, that, you know, that I mean, and, there, and there's also like, there's a bit of, there's a lot of division going on within the podcasting world. I mean, even in my own life, I'm in another podcast that's, uh, that's uh, you know, commercially supported and I read ads on it. And the first six minutes are uh, to a significant degree uh, just advertising and promotion, but I mean, but and Joe Rogan's podcast, I mean, you just skip the first seven minutes, right? He tries to make it as entertaining <laughs> as he can, but the first seven minutes or so uh, are ads. It's the same with Mark Maron and and some other popular podcasters. Um, I rather like that this one, at least so far, is is free of commercial uh, considerations or interruptions. I, I wouldn't be close to it. Actually, I like sponsorship as an idea. Um, but I, the important thing to me is that, um, you know, I'm, I, I left radio in almost 40 years ago when I was fired for the last time and, <laughs> and I was, and, and nobody wanted me back. And, that, and by nobody, I mean, none of the three or four stations that were around. And for that matter, two newspapers, uh, rich, they, they were full, you know, they had enough people. It wasn't that I was bad. It was just that they were busy. And, and there weren't many opportunities here. It's infinite. I mean, we could do a podcast. We could do, we could do another one. We could do five podcasts if we wanted to, you know, and any, any person, I mean, this is so great. This is what's podcasting is going through something now that blogging went through in the early two thousands, which is, which is the realization that anybody could do this. And, and that was a wonderful thing. And I think it's a wonderful thing again now. And, and there's, so here's a quick story. So back when comedy clubs were exploding in the early eighties, um, that was a, there was a big thing. And, and I think it was either Milton Berle or um, Alan King or one of the big popular comedians of the time. He said, um, he said 20 years ago, uh, there were hundred comedians and five of them are good. Now there are 5,000 comedians and five of them are good. And, but that's not true here. There are a lot of great podcasts, you there know, are, yeah. There really are. Well, I, I, you know, <laughs> you raise a good, good point, And that is, you know, anybody and everybody can do uh, podcasting. And it just kind of, it takes me back to the early days of blogging where anybody with access to the internet and access to some sort of uh, blogging platform, uh, whether it was, you know, something they developed or, or something that they downloaded you know, all of a sudden became a uh, news reporter, right? <laughs> yeah. It's sort of, you know, they were able to blog about something. And over time, the quality of news reporting, um, I, I don't even know how to, to describe this. It, it just, it sort of tarnished the, uh, the whole idea of, uh, of how news was delivered. Right. And I wonder if 
you know, the, the, um, the idea that anybody and everybody, you know, can throw out a, a, a podcast, um, if it would do the same to what, you know, actual radio uh, took decades to build up. Well, it, it, I think that, you know, I think obviously production value matters. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. I was, I was listening to um, a podcast we did in, I think, June of 2019, because, you know, we had the same, last week's podcast had uh, Dr. Augustine Fu, who is an ad fraud researcher, and I highly recommend everybody check that out. But he, he did an episode with us in 2019. And I, I, you know, I went back and listened to a part of it. And, you know, the, the difference in our audio quality today versus then is, is huge. Yeah. It's massive. Well, all of us got better mics. We yeah. all got better mics. They, you know, I probably yeah. got better at editing. Who knows? But, but you know, it, it, it matters just as it matters, you know, with any kind of, of online content. The, the quality of the content and the quality of the production do matter. And while, you know, with, with such a low barrier to entry, um, you know, I, I suppose, yes, you could, there would be a concern that, that, you know, you, the world would become flooded with low quality content, but at the same time, I mean, this, it is, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a yeah, lot it of work and to produce and something I, that's, I think um, the audience should know that you do most of the work. You really <laughs> I do. do. I mean, this, so this Catherine is, is the alpha on this thing and she does the work. <laughs> I, do lot, I do a lot of editing, yeah. But, um, yeah. but that said, you know, I think, I think the interesting thing right now is that a lot of, because people are spending more time at home, um, people have the, the time to put into that kind of production value and, and to put into putting together a really high quality episode, I think, you know, and, and at the same time, people are spending more time at home or in other isolated environments, you know, whatever that may be, um, and listening to more podcasts. And, and, and that has to be contributing to, to this, this recent sort of gold rush or whatnot that we're seeing in podcasting because if you compare um media coverage of podcasting or just you know podcasting stats or uh, you know ad revenue statistics that sort of thing from today versus just a couple of years ago i mean there is clearly something going on and i think some of it may be pandemic related but i don't think it, all of it is and, and that is it's interesting to kind of unpack because podcasting is not new uh, no. You know, I and I probably listened to more podcasts ten years ago than I do today, uh, which is you know just anecdotal and, and based on my own personal situation and you know my lack of commute <laughs> today. But um, I don't know. Again, it's not new, and yet at the same time, it feels very new right now. Like it's entering a, a new phase of of growth that is very interesting. You know. Um... I, I, we can actually date uh, the birth of podcasting to a couple of things. And first is uh, uh, D Dave Weiner and RSS 2.0, which which allowed which which allowed somebody to attach a file um, to, in, in such a way that you know the podcasting happened. I don't want to get too technical about it because I will make a mistake, but it it was in that and and um, but here's an interesting fact. I think it was an IT garage, which is a now deceased and not even maintained because it's only in the internet archive. But um, I think it was in, sometime in September of 2004, um, I wrote something that said, I, I want people to notice that if you search for podcast, it was either podcast or podcasting, that Google brought up 24 results. 
<laughs> and I predicted that in a in a year it would bring up thousands, and in another year it would bring up millions. Well, now it's billions, right? Mm -hmm. It's got to be at least billions. There's, it's, uh, you know, but but that was that was what sixteen years ago, right? It, it you know, it, and it's not like podcasting hasn't been around. Here's an interesting thing. I think there's a what I like about this right now is we don't have to. We're not we're not we're not stuck inside of Apple or Spotify or one of these other places, right? I mean, we're. I don't even know where we post this or how we post it. Just Everywhere. What matters is the, what's <laughs> well, that? I can tell you. I can give a little plug to our go uh, for it platform. I mean, I don't. I doubt they're listening, but they seem like <laughs> nice people. I'm in their Slack. Um, we host on Fireside FM, um, which is pretty friendly. I don't even remember at this point how I how I found it originally, but um, but yeah, they have a nice interface, nice features, and it is there. Then from there, syndicated all over. I mean, if there is a platform, you can probably find us on it. You could, I think, I believe you can still uh, ask Alexa to to find it for you and play it. <laughs> although I don't know because as we've discussed, I do not have one. I don't yeah. have one of those devices. But um, yeah, you can get it all over. And and it and you know, to Petrus's point earlier, there is a very low barrier to entry. You, you don't. It doesn't require a lot of technical skill to get set up and. And, um, you know, get your podcast out there. Uh, sticking to a schedule, on the other hand, is a whole other <laughs> conversation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, click a few buttons and, and there you are all over, all over the internet where, where all the listeners are, where, you know, Amazon, Spotify, um, you know, Apple, iTunes, uh, you know. And then, and then, you know, we, because of our open source origins, we have a good chunk of our listeners you know, listening through old school podcasting apps like G Potter and, and that sort of thing, you know, where mm -hmm. really all you need is our RSS feed and, you know, and you're good to go. So, so I want to ask uh, you, Petros and Catherine, do you still listen to any radio and can you name any stations? Did you yes. actually listen? Okay. Yes, I actually, actually tell us not, about it. I only listen to uh, Sirius XM radio. I can't uh -huh. live without it. And it's the only thing that gets turned on in my car. And as far as stations are concerned, I mean, just just like, you know, the idea of podcasts, the thing that I enjoy about XM is that there are so many stations out there, so many that cater to my personal preference and interest, specifically with music and, and news. So, you know, if I want to listen to something that is, you know, harder rock or metal, you know, there's bam, There's lithium. You know, there's a Sirius XM Turbo, there is Octane, there is, you know, Ozzy's Boneyard. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's a dozen, right? And, and now there's an Eddie Van Halen show. One of the channels went, uh, is the all Eddie Van Halen channel right now. Oh, yeah. I, and I'm sure they, <laughs> that came up probably at, as soon as a couple of days ago, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's one, the Beatles channel, because it's John Lennon's, uh, 40 he'd be 80 this this you oh, know, he wow. died at 40 wow. he died at age 40 he'd be 80 wow. now i know it's not conceivable but he he uh but they're devoting the whole weekend of the beatles channel they have a beatles channel to to that i mean they've got 200 some channels they've got several on the left several on the right you know five or six or seven sports ones they've got public radio ones and they have howard stern and i mean i i i got it for howard uh in the first place i was a howard stern fan um but for the rest of it too, and I and I, but I got Sirius rather than XM back when they were separate because, not just because of Howard, because Sirius also had 
uh, NPR and some other public radio, whereas XM did not. But I've the interesting thing is I don't have a radio. I I have I I just get I just get the stream. I pretend to have a radio. I mean, we actually do have a radio. It's in a box. It's in New York in a box. Uh, I don't have a car anymore, <laughs> so there's no there's none to put in a car. Um, but that's you know serious. I don't know has twenty some million listeners. And what what about you, Catherine? Are you? Um, I, I used to listen to a lot of Sirius XM actually, um, but since I rarely drive, I, I still <laughs> subscribe, but I, I mean, I listened to it briefly, uh, you know, a couple of days ago in the car when I had to run an errand, but um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I rarely listen to it, I, but you know, full disclosure, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> which is funny <laughs> because here we are creating one, but um, how dare you i yeah, know but, but it you, feels you, it feels wrong you actually have a day job and you spend probably another two at least yeah. two hours a week besides this oh god oh, it's so much more than that <laughs> yeah i know but yes true. yes yeah. yes i am i am kind of busy so uh you know my my media consumption tends to be um i don't know so, uh, television st stuff that yeah you know not not audio i used to listen to a lot of um audio books too and i just you know, the difference for me has just been the lack of time in my car. That's when I listened. That was my designated podcast and audiobook time. And and I just don't have that anymore, which is great because, you know, I, I can do all these other wonderful productive things like working and um, producing this podcast. <laughs> so win-win. Yeah. But You're on the um, production side of this thing. Yeah, I, I know we keep saying in the car, in the car, but uh, I at least for the, the, the listeners, I just, you know, also want to make mention that, you know, things like Sirius XM, internet radio, I mean, you, obviously you don't have to be in the car uh, no, to be able to yeah. listen to it. I, although I will admit that I do stream Sirius XM through my, my, my computer or, or my phone, you know, during work hours. But I, you know, when I'm so focused at work, I find it extremely difficult to focus or pay attention and it ends yeah, up becoming too. background noise more than anything else so even if i do want to listen to a podcast or or um you know serious xm program i it's it's an impossible task i've noticed yeah. with serious that the uh uh they have a like if you're listening to to music like let's say you're you're on uh, you're on the eddie van halen channel of the moment and you're um if you listen to the radio in the car or if you have one at home um you're hearing a stream, you're hearing a live stream. But if you're listening on the app, it will take the song from the beginning, which is a major difference. And if you hit pause, it pauses it. It, it you know, it doesn't have a huge pause. I mean, it will forget it after a while, but, but you can actually, you know, the front doorbell rings or something, you hit pause and you walk to the door and you come back and you can pick it up where you were. At least that's my perception of it. Is that right, Petros? Yes, or, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. It, it can be convenient. Yeah, it's an important difference. So, so here's uh, I'm going to go back to radio for a minute because it, this one of the advantages of radio is that um, the coverage of an AM, of an AM or an FM station is a lot larger than a cell. And if the cell system goes down and you don't have any Wi-Fi, you are off the net, right? If you have a, a portable device that you're listening with, so your radio that is your phone or your pad. Uh, 
is disconnected. Whereas if you have a real radio, like a real portable radio, and you can still get an AM or an FM station, you're, you're still there. So the idea there is that if there's a real emergency, like like you're in the Gulf Coast right now, and there's this hurricane coming, and, yeah. and if the cell system goes out, you can still get WWL in, in uh, New Orleans, which is the big station there that covers the whole Gulf and much the middle of the country at night. And and it was just did a heroic job during Katrina. And and that's that's still there. You know, you still have these big stations here and there that may stay on the air because they have they have the equipment to do it. But that's a pretty rare thing. Um, but there are parts of the world where there is no cell coverage. So there's there's a station in Canada, CBK on 540 AM in uh Watrous, Saskatchewan. And I mean Saskatchewan is bigger than Texas, I think. And this station covers all of Saskatchewan uh, and most of Canada, like a big part of Canada day and night. Uh, it's at the bottom end of the dial, which is better for AM, but it basically covers from the Rockies to Hudson Bay. Uh, and I don't think the CBC is ever going to take that off. They've taken off some other AM stations because nobody's listening to AM, but in those giant prairie um, provinces, there's still an advantage to that. But if you've got a satellite radio and CBC is on satellite, that kind of covers it too, right? So you mean it covers a lot more territory than this giant radio station does. So that's I'm, I'm just sort of raising some of the exceptional. Like the, the, I'm I'm around a lot of radio conversations among old engineers and people who are trying to keep radio going, and they're only talking to each other. Whereas out here in the rest of the world, we're talking about podcasts because podcasts and streams are a happening thing. Well, there there is a, there is something to be said, you know, for the the level of freedom that. Um you know, radio affords, you know, it's, it's an, you know, it's a higher barrier to entry for producers, but a very low barrier to entry for consumers. You know, a, a radio is a pretty inexpensive thing. It doesn't even require that much power. And, you know, and you can get access to a broadcast that is, you know, potentially, you know, there's, there's certainly no tracking involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. And where I'm going with this is things are things like, um, you know, political radio, you know, radio for Europe, or, or there was a, God, I'm going to mess this story up and this is going to be awkward, but there was a radio station that broadcast, it's a radio piece, something that broadcast from the Mediterranean into like the entire Middle East. Oh, oh, well, yeah. everybody Google that. It's a great story. And I, if I attempt to tell it, I will. Was it a pirate it. or was it a, a, a. I think it's, yeah, it was a, some sort of pirate radio. I don't know. I, I remember having this conversation while I was driving around in Israel and, you know, you, you drive around parts of Northern Israel and you can pick up radio from Turkey. You can pick up radio from um, Lebanon and from Jordan and from Syria. And, you know, it's. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fascinating because you know you think the, the you think when you think of the political differences between those areas, um, you know the 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 barriers quick the, the borders are quickly broken down by a radio signal, so you can you know communicate very freely over radio where you mm. maybe can't with a podcast, not in the same way. You know, on, on AM, um, there's a. The, the the two things that sort of govern the coverage are ground conductivity for coverage along the ground and then sky wave, which is bouncing off the sky, which only happens at night. And in the U.S., um, the, the limit for power is 50,000 watts. That's generally considered like that's really huge. Um, there are stations up to 2 million watts in Saudi Arabia, in Hungary, 
there used to be ones in Germany and France that have since gone off the air. Because um, if you're putting 2 million watts out, you're actually sucking like 3 million or more off the grid, and that's pretty expensive. So um, it appears as a kind of an efficiency loss. But that's one of the reasons. I know in the Middle East, um, some of the stations there have massive coverage, and that's sort of sort of interesting. And seawater also makes a difference. Sea, the, the seawater is the most conductive thing there is. So um, uh, for, for AM, AM signals. So, so stations on, on the coast are stations that broadcast from the edge of the ocean, cover enormous territories that are adjacent to the ocean. Like in Santa Barbara, where I live, the stations from San Diego and Tijuana come in like locals, even though they're over 200 miles away, because there's nothing but seawater between us and them. Uh, but then again, that's, you know, that's like a big deal in radio, but it's irrelevant on the internet. I'm over here looking. The Voice of Peace, that's what it was called. Oh. Voice of Peace. You know, Hold on. Uh, let, me, let me quickly read this the Wikipedia entry and maybe I can actually tell the story effectively. Car carry on. <laughs> you know, uh, all, all this talk about radio, and, and I don't mean to derail the conversation, but now that uh, we're in October, it reminds me of those. Um, old stories. And, and uh, I did a quick uh, Wikipedia search to refresh my memory. But of those old Russian um, radio stations, like there's this one nicknamed the buzzer, and it's like UVB 76. It's still broadcast from, you know, uh, either from or before the Cold War. And uh, it'll send like specific buzz tones on, on across various frequencies, followed by like a ghostly, creepy voice that to this day, I don't even think they can isolate where that, uh, where that transmission is even coming from. And yeah. I wonder. <laughs> the, the, the Soviets were brilliant at, at doing jamming and lots of other things. They had, they had one station. It had a very weird transmission system that looked like a bunch of high power lines all in a row. And they, they beamed a signal like straight at Europe and it's like a multi-million watt signal that just kind of blasted across Europe. Um, but when they, when they jammed uh, Voice of America and Radio Liberty and some of the other US, you know, news or propaganda sources, whatever, um, uh, they would do it with this kind of buzzy sound. I mean, it was, this, it was, um, you know, it was like a, I can't, I can't even imitate it. It was kind of a, it's kind of a, a little bit like low frequency feedback looping over and over itself all over the, all over the place. But there was so, a, a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so the, the, radio the radio thing that I was thinking of, uh, it was called the voice for voice of peace. And, and it was broadcast from a boat in the Mediterranean uh, starting in the early seventies. And it went for 20 years, apparently. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, it kind of introduced pop music, I think, to Israel and the rest of the Middle East. And it was largely, I think, British DJs and whatnot that would actually mm -hmm. come onto this boat. Or at least that's the, that's the impression I, I get. And, um, but the, the supporters were interesting at the time, especially when you think of, I don't know, the political climate now, it's, it's much different. But apparently, like John, you mentioned John Lennon earlier, John and Yoko, uh, sign posters as fundraisers for this voice of peace thing. I don't know. Interesting, interesting stuff. But uh, the point being is that 
it's such a completely different thing than than podcasting. It, there's no real there's no real uh, equivalent, you know, in the online streaming world where you could be that much of a, a rebel, you know, yeah. or at least I mean maybe there is, but but you know what I, I don't know. No, I don't know. I think if you know if you wanted to broadcast into a region that did not want you to share your content, I think it would be a whole lot more difficult using you know podcasts as a medium. Yeah. So and, that's, and if, that's who we and, have to blame for introducing pop music to that world. Yeah. Probably. Some guy on a, a boat in the Mediterranean. It's it's important to to note that in the history of radio, the the US and to a lesser degree, Canada and Mexico, but but um, had no, you know, it was entirely private broadcasting. There was no state broadcasting. Whereas in all of the other, most of the other countries in the world, broadcasting was a state affair. Um, um, uh, the Netherlands, Germany, France, all those places, uh, probably Israel too. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one, but th there was a state broadcasting system and that's all there was. And one of the reasons that, um, you know, the, when the Beatles took off in, in the early 60s, early to mid 60s, um, it was not because the BBC was playing them. And it was before Radio Caroline and Radio Laser and the other, um, uh, the other pirate stations came along. Uh, it was mostly Radio Luxembourg and Radio Monte Carlo, which were in two tiny countries but had giant transmitters that beamed right toward the UK because there were lots of people there that, and for that matter in France and other places that wanted to hear, they wanted to hear rock and roll. They, they wanted to hear popular music. They didn't want to just hear, you know, boring farm reports and, you know, state whatever, you know, they wanted to hear this other stuff. Uh, and, and that really, you know, broke things open to some degree. Actually, they made a movie about that about 10, no, 11 years yeah, ago. Yeah, Pirate Radio. Pirate Radio. Yeah, yeah. with Philip Seymour Hoffman. That, that's one of the ones that I've started to watch several times and then something else came up. And I, I have the same it. problem. Yeah. Exact same problem, same movie. Yeah, I've never seen the whole thing. I started watching it and... Uh, and you have to start watching it from the beginning again to see what was that about again. Yeah. 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 Someday I'll get through it. I mean, it's, not, it's a good movie. I just, you know... Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what little I saw of it really captured some of what the spirit of radio was. I mean, if you remember, I mean, probably you guys are young enough to only see it in reruns, but there was this radio show, I mean, a show about a sitcom called WKRP in Cincinnati that wickedly captured what it was like at a, you know, at a, at a, at a competitive but lesser radio station in a media market and what that was like, you know, and, and the, the, you know, the, the, the sales manager who was always had plaid pants and was a bit of a jerk and um, the, the station manager who really was a, a dope, but kind of sweet and lovable and the owner who was something else entirely and the and impossibly gorgeous girl that sat at the front desk. Cause you always had to have one of those, um, you know, who was actually the highest paid person at the station or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, you know, and the characters that were on the radio itself, you know, it was, and those are the days. I mean, that was, it, it was fun to be in radio in those days, which I was only briefly, but it was, it was a crazy time. It was a fun time, you know, but there's nothing like that now. Yeah. We have to make do with, um, <laughs> podcasting from our uh, 
yeah various spots around the country or the world but i mean there is that you know we we don't have to travel to a boat in the Mediterranean to broadcast yeah. our uh, no, we don't. I mean, I was thinking the the first cost of doing this is the hosting service, right? I mean, and and mm-hmm. you know we're working for free, so but you know, and, and you're probably using Audacity to pull this thing together. Yep, right? I do that all the editing nothing. with Audacity. Right, and that costs nothing. Our microphones mm-hmm. cost something, but we use yeah. them for other things now. You kind of need a good mic. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. It costs a lot of her time. Yeah, yeah, it costs exactly. a fair amount. I mean, it's, but to be fair, the, you know, it's time that I would spend thinking about the things that we discuss anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we do this because we enjoy it and we do it because, because we think that, you know, I mean, the, for various reasons, you know, it, it, uh, you know, we have, we have ideas they want, we want to solidify. We have ideas that we want to share. We have, you know, we're, we have various causes that we like to talk about and and so you know to that end it's it's it, yeah. it's not taking extra time that i wouldn't be devoting to those things anyway i think um but yes. yeah i mean it's again it's it's you you do have to be pretty committed <laughs> to your content in order to to put something out pretty regularly yeah but it is inexpensive so somebody had your uh, actually Petros's point about your time because you're you're spending most time with this um, reminds me of what uh, uh, Jamie Zawinski said a long time ago. Jamie was named Mozilla. He was like employee number three or four at Netscape back in the mid '90s, and now for many years runs the DNA Lounge in San Francisco. He's really he's really a um, you know he he's got a physical place people come. And I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's. He, he actually has a, a blog and it's at jwz.org, I think, for Jamie W. Zawinski. He's very witty and very smart and, um, and a great guy who I've not seen in many years. But he had this one liner, which is so wicked and right. He said, Linux is free if your time has no value. Exactly. And, <laughs> and that's, that's and, and it's sort of that, that principle applies to many other things, right? That everything yeah. that's free. Um, and, you know, our time does have value. And sometimes there will, you know, a lot of us want to invest the time into a code base or to maintaining code or to doing something else that has no immediate monetary reward, but does have value. And I, I think what we're do- trying to do here does have value, or we would not invest the time that we do in it, right? Yeah. Someday we'll change the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe a little. I think, I th- I know, think we do. I think we do all the time. I, think we I mean, do I, too. I have. You know, if we if we introduce, um, you know, something useful, be it privacy or security related to somebody, and it, it helps them avoid something unfortunate, then, then that yeah. seems like a pretty good uh, trade off. But then, you know, to be fair, and I wonder if this is true for you, Petros, too. I, you know, I. The work that I do that I actually get paid for <laughs> is work that I would I would do for free. Like I, I if I could, I would just do I mean, it's what I would do anyway. It's you know, I frequently wonder like how did I get that lucky, you know, <laughs> that I actually somebody is willing to pay pay me to do some things that I will I mean, don't tell them, but <laughs> yeah. I would. I think I would. But well, um you- but yeah, I mean that's that's what you said about open source software. It's it's it the cost is is just you know. Yeah, I've done it's effort. 
I, yeah, I've invested many, many, many hours of my personal time to, uh, to write, you know, uh, open source code, contribute back to projects. And it's stuff that uh, I would not have, I mean, I gladly did it for free. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it would have been nice to have gotten paid for it. But yeah, now that I'm working for a company and, and maintaining open source code, I mean, that's also nice. Would I do that for free? Yeah, I've already done similar things for free, but I, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. it's uh, been quite an adventure. Yeah, and it is just, to me, that makes the line a little bit more blurry, you know, but as far as what, what amount of time I'm willing to put into other things that are just hobbies to me it's just it, it it's all time <laughs> you know as long as i you know well, figure you, out how to pay the bills the thing the with rest time is just yeah the thing with time is. is you have to spend it right i mean you have to spend it anyway right yep that's, exactly that's the time is going to pass yeah whether you do something interesting or not i'd yeah. rather spend it drinking scotch that's a good idea that's a good idea <laughs> You're, you're well, closer. To, you're closer to the time of day for doing that. I mean, you're in Chicago. You guys, we have two people in a central time zone. We got one. In yeah, the we're we're basically at Scotch time at this point. It's, 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 that's the great thing about recording on Friday evenings. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. You kind of look forward to to, to forward to doing that. Forward to it's beer o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah, it's beer o'clock exactly, exactly. Well, somebody came up with the term blurs day because in time of COVID, everything is. Everything is a blur. So the, every day is blurs day. And people work on weekends now because, well, what's the difference? Yeah, right? what is the I'm difference? home. I've got stuff to do. And then we just do it. Right. So yeah. that's, that's our life. So, yeah. so it is. Yeah. So that's my weekend. I'll so that's, the, 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 that's our weekend. So maybe, so here's an invitation to, uh, and we can maybe move toward closing with this is, you know, for the newsletter or for anything, you know, write to us, get, you know, sign up, whatever it is that we do. And, and of course, Catherine set it up, so I don't even know how it works. <laughs> but, you know, but let us know, you know, let us know if this works for you, you know, and how it works for you. And if you disagree or if you want us to cover other stuff more or how or what, you know, we're, we're glad to do that. We're here, we're here for you and, you know, not just for us. Yeah, cool. I like it. Yes. Go, go sign up. Um, there's also a contact form, which people use occasionally, yeah. which is actually really nice. Uh, we oh, like cool. hearing from people. So yeah, reality2cast.com. Yeah.